The Start On Demand. demand. Mackling, McGarry, not McNabb today. McNabb is off. What? She's got family in from out of town, in from the Caymans. That's cool. Fine, I guess that is worthy of a day off, yes? Yeah, I think so. All right, we'll let it it slide this time, McNabb, but, you know, next time. Yeah. I don't know. We'll have to vote on it, I think. (laughs) But uh, in spite of the fact that all three of us were at the the ice hockey match, the North American Ice Hockey League. Uh, Some extra pep in our step this morning, I suspect, Greg. I I can't speak for you, but I'm definitely... uh, not as tired as I should be right now. Well, you know, a, a win by the home team always seems to make things a little bit easier. The fact that it's a Friday, people will ask, are you going to the game tonight? And then, you know, they'll realize it's Tuesday night. Oh, probably not, right? And then had so many people ask yesterday, you go in the game? Oh, it's Thursday. No, you know what? Thursdays, we've made the determination that we can sort of tough it out, tough it through a Friday yep. if we end up staying up late for whatever event it might be on Thursday. So that's what we did. I confess I left after the second period. Same. And it hurt my heart to do it. But I listened to the game on the way home. I uh, heard most of the third period on the radio on my way home. And a 5-1 victory on home ice to open the home portion of your regular season when you've had uh, three road losses. That's a good way to turn it around, Brett. Yeah, I like it. And just a sidebar on that, uh, not to, we'll get back to the Jets in a moment, but you mentioned that Thursday, yeah, it's easier to power through on a Friday. I find Mondays like that as well because you come in grumpy on Monday because yes. you're tired from the weekend or whatever, but you just you sort of go into survival mode. It's like, just get, let's just get through the day. That's why I always find Tuesday is the worst because you get to Tuesday and go, ah, it's only Tuesday. But Wednesday sort of has that optimism, like, okay, we're halfway there. And then Thursday, it's like, well, tomorrow's Friday. And then Friday is Friday. How can you not be happy? If you happen to work a Monday to Friday schedule, how can you not be happier? Even when I worked, um, when I used to work weekends, Friday still has that Friday feeling. Yep. to it, right? For sure. And I used to give uh, my wife a hard time when we started dating. I was like, you work for the weekend. Like, you know, I used to bug her a little bit about that. The fact that uh, the weekend was such a big deal. And uh, because for so long, I was in the hospitality industry. And so the weekends were something you look forward to in the work life. That's where you made your cash. That's where you made a lot of money. And so my philosophy and my psychology towards weekends was always one of positivity. So now that I've been in this nine to five, Monday to Friday world for going on almost 20 years now, <laughs> like, I, I get it. Would you say cash? Cash. Almost like, how does Joe Aiello say it down the hall of Power 97? Cash. <laughs> or if uh, you want to do the Randy Moss thing, straight cash, homie. Straight cash. <laughs> straight cash. But yeah, so back to the Jets last night. I mean, wow. Uh, part. I think I have some extra pep in the step, too, because it was just so great to be in the building. Like, remember, it was a few months ago where we were longingly, jealously, looking at, enviously looking at our American counterparts and watching full stands in their hockey arenas. And then here in Winnipeg, we were allowed 500 healthcare workers. Great point. And that so, feels like a lifetime ago. It does. So to look around, I just I, I was just kind of stopped and looking or looked around and seeing thousands of people around me. It was 
it was invigorating. It was inspiring. It just made me feel good. Well, you know, there was a real buzz in the building last night and, you know, the Jets entering their 11th season. And, and you could argue that the excitement in the building has, you know, been on a roller coaster ride the last several seasons. But last night you could really hear it. There were there was the odd chant. They were getting on uh, Anaheim Ducks goalie uh, John Gibson a couple of different times. That felt like old times. The True North shout out was pretty, pretty loud. And O Canada was uh, very special as well. Loren was sitting behind me and I turned around right after Stacey Natras was done and I did I gave her the eye wipe thing and she just gave me the nod because I knew <laughs> I knew Loren would be teary because it was pretty powerful with glowing hearts we see the rise the true north strong and free from far and Quite 15,000 plus in the building last night. Almost 14,000. That's good. Yeah, uh, you know, in context with what's going on across Canada, it was a really, really good crowd last night. And Stacey Natras at one point took the microphone away from her mouth and let the crowd sing. And it was an emotional moment. It was powerful. Uh, people were engaged. And boy, oh boy, did it set the tone for the night. Yeah, it was uh, it was a wonderful feeling, and that's where I. The, and Christian O'Mel tweeted out something that I sort of agree with. Um, he said, "I don't really, I've never really cared for national anthems before sporting events, but uh, uh, you know, I'll be damned if that didn't make me emotional." Wow, being in that, uh, I can't remember the exact wording, but he said he got emotional. And Christian, I love Christian, but he's not a very emotional guy. And I was going to say that. I'm glad you said it on my behalf. <laughs> yeah, he's going to join us, by the way, the host of the sports show. He's going to join us at 935 because we've got another busy sports weekend. But I agree with him. It was uh, it was an emotional moment to be in there, to hear. Like, the, the, the audio didn't do the True North chant justice when the, the crowd bellowed out True North. Like, you could feel that in your gut. Sometimes it's uh, an obligatory True North, if I may call it that. Last night, there was some real vim and vigor behind it. And uh, one of the funny moments from last night, if we can skip ahead before we take our pause to look at the weather here, Brett, Kyle Connor is absolutely on fire. He's tied for second in the National Hockey League in goal scoring. He's got five goals now after two goals in the third period last night. He scored an empty net goal. And then this piece of magic. Home. His pass broken up by Kyle Connor. He's got a partial break. Cutting over the net with a shot. Go. He scores! Kyle Connor with his fifth of the year. Second in succession. Second of the period. What a goal. 5 1 Winnipeg. Save He was sort of tripped on the play. He was on one knee. He got back up, went in, and just sniped a shot. Uh, past John Gibson in the Anaheim goal. Well, last night, Canada Life gave out Jets toques. Yeah. Well, when there's a third goal, you you throw your hats, right? It's a hat trick. Yeah. Last night, 
Tukes getting thrown on the uh, ice, and we're wondering now if that's a Tuke, T-W-O-Q-U-E, a Tuke. Are we starting a new trend in Winnipeg? Oh, wow. Mackling and McGarry, McNabb is off today. In our next segment, we are going to continue with our theme of celebrating Winnipeg's sports teams. Yesterday, we celebrated the Winnipeg Jets with our favorite Jets memories. So we're going to keep that going in a different way and tell you how you can win yourself some bomber tickets for Saturday's game. And speaking of the Jets, we have more on that coming up after Global News at 7 o'clock, what it was like to be back in the building. And, of course, the Jets put on a good show last night. Uh, But right now, we want to discuss we want to follow up on the conversation we had throughout yesterday morning and throughout the day about that emergency alert that went out Wednesday night about a manhunt in Manitoba. Now while the manhunt ended soon after the alert was sent, many questions Greg are being raised about why that alert did not come sooner. Yes, the search lasted more than 24 hours, but the first alert didn't come until Wednesday evening and an all clear was genuinely never sent although some of you did get a notification from the weather network that the public safety alert had ended as global's Brittany greenslade explains the system is still new to many his name and face were spread across televisions radios and social media as police warned manitobans to be on the lookout for west wadian a potentially armed and dangerous man going down my road i uh, see flashing lights and the police had my road blocked off. We were told to lock the, all our vehicles and lock the doors. And so it, there was a real heavy police presence in our area. Wadian was wanted for allegedly uttering threats and pointing a shotgun in Selkirk. He managed to evade police and get away multiple times. And while he was deemed a threat, it took more than 24 hours for RCMP to send out a public alert on its emergency system. What I can say is there's a number of factors that emerged throughout today, specifically his erratic actions when we attempted to pursue him and apprehend him, and the actions that he displayed post that event led us to believe that his actions were were escalating and his actions were also unpredictable. Therefore, we thought that he was an ongoing and heightening risk to the public. Wadden has a long list of convictions dating back to 2003. He's previously served time and his rap sheet includes weapons, assault, uttering threats, theft and break and enter charges, along with driving and weapons bans. His violent history added to the potential danger to the public. And experts say police made the right call. We need to make sure that people understand the urgency. This has immediate relevance to you and your life follow these instructions for your own safety and to make our own lives easier because obviously somebody who's pointing a shotgun might be tempted to take a hostage somewhere. So you don't want the public out there to be able to become instruments for someone like that in their attempts to evade authorities. Wadden was arrested less than 90 minutes later in the RM of Rockwood. And while the alert system worked, experts say a similar one should have gone out when he was arrested. RCMP have yet to disclose what charges the 38-year-old is facing. Brittany Greenslade, Global News. Our question of the day yesterday morning brought to you by Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace 204-832-6243. Had to do with this, and we asked it a few different ways. On Twitter, at 680CJOB, we simply asked, did you get the alert? 59% said yes on my phone. 3% said yes on my TV. 32% said yes on both. 
Uh, and of course, if you were listening to the radio, you would have gotten that, but we didn't include that in the poll. Uh, 7% said no, Greg. Yeah, and at cjob.com, our question of the day, we asked, did you get the RCMP's manhunt alert and a follow-up alert that the suspect had been arrested? 61% of you said, I only got the manhunt alert. 20% say you got both alerts, and 19% said they didn't get any alerts at all, Brett. And on Instagram, we just asked, did you get the alert from the RCMP? 94% said yes, 6% no. Well, look, this is developing technology. I think we can agree on that. So, you know, anything I say is through that lens with that understanding. And I think it's fair to expect that when you get an emergency alert, a notification of something serious going on in your community in a very unorthodox, a very unusual way, I think it's more than reasonable to expect an alert, a notification in that very same medium to let you know that the situation has been resolved and that you don't have anything to worry about with regard to that situation. I, I think that's that's got to be part of the protocol moving forward. If they're learning from uh, from their experience, put this in the playbook. Yep, and I think that uh, that would certainly be a good idea because not everybody's paying attention to the news and not everybody's paying attention to social media they may have just gotten the alert and, you know i can't remember when the first one came in seven o'clock yeah just before seven o'clock okay correct. just before seven so um i we we of course knew what was going on because we were chatting about it in our group chat and we've got you know of course we work in a newsroom so we have access to information and what's going on we knew that the rcmp were holding a briefing at 7 45 p.m we knew that the media had been called back shortly after that i think within 45 minutes so we we knew exactly what was happening, sure. but most people are not tuned in like that because they're not a part of the global news infrastructure. A hundred percent. And so uh, to expect uh, the public to go out searching for information, well, is this over or not, especially reiterating here, the unusual nature with which this message and this alert was sent out I know I went and I made sure all my doors were locked. Loren mentioned she had a youngster at her house uh, that lived a couple doors down. She walked that, you know, that youngster home. Yeah. Uh, and so I think a lot of people were on high alert. It's, it's hard not to think back to what happened in Nova Scotia a couple of years ago. 22 Nova Scotians, uh, you know, murdered uh, by someone impersonating an RCMP officer and all sorts of questions about why didn't the public know about that sooner. So more learning to do, more uh, changes and improvements in the system, in my mind, Brett. But at the very least, you know, I I'm, I'm, was thankful to have received that uh, alert. And uh, by Concur. based on these numbers, it looks like most of you got it in some form yeah. or fashion. So that's encouraging because so many of the times we've heard of these alerts where it seems like half of the population isn't even getting them. So at least there's some improvement being made there. Mackling and McGarry McNabb is off today. She'll be back on Monday. Coming up at 6.55, it's our Jets commentary with our buddy, our pal, John Shannon. But before that, we want to have a chat that will get you some Bomber tickets. Bomber's playing tomorrow night, BC, IG Field. And we have two tickets to give away based on your text messages. Yesterday, we did favorite Jets memories as we celebrate Winnipeg sports. Today, Greg, what are we doing? We are going to relive, have you share with us your fondest, most precious Winnipeg Blue Bomber 
memories. We had a couple of text messages yesterday. Hey, what about the bombers, you guys? Really? Yes. I miss those. Yes, and it's like, you know, look what the bombers are doing. Yes, they're loading up for another run at the Grey Cup. All sorts of reasons to be excited about the Blue Bombers and uh, what they might be able to do as they head towards uh, <coughs> a big game December 12th, but there's lots of uh, work to be done between then. So anyway, we're uh, celebrating the Blue Bombers today. We were giving away bomber tickets in conjunction with that conversation yesterday. So we, tie, we were tying Winnipeg Sports, That's the Winnipeg right. Sports family together. 100%. But today it's all bombers. And I would suggest as well um, that uh, if you want, like, Hey, if you want to, if the Grey Cup win was your favorite memory, great. If the parade was your favorite, great. But if you got something like that's in the vault, something that we, it would be nice to revisit, that might increase your chances. Yes. I'm loading the gun right now on that one, Greg. But no, I'm not I, speaking for you. <laughs> no, I agree. <laughs> okay. Because uh, for me personally, it would be easy to say 2019 and the run to the Grey Cup and all that went with it and, and the 28, 29-year drought that came to an end that day. I know it's going to be very popular for, for some people to talk about that. But let's go. Let's, let's try and dig a little bit deeper, unless there's a real personal story involved in that run to the Cup in 19. So Cameron Poitras, yesterday you were talking about how you were running through the streets of what was it, Calgary? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was in the park. It was a parking lot, actually. Okay, as yeah. it pertained to uh, some Winnipeg Jets news that uh, got you excited. What what uh, comes to mind for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers? Well, I have to go back uh, back to ancient times, back to two thousand and one. Oh, ancient uh, get times! Out of here. Uh, ancient, yeah, the biblical times. Uh, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, the Bombers won 12 games in a row that year, and my dad was a season ticket holder. We used to go to Canada Inns, and he would cycle through uh, the three of us. I mean, of course, I got two brothers. So he'd cycle through us, and, and uh, there was one game in particular against Montreal, and they had some epic battles that year uh, with with the Alouettes and Anthony Calvillo and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, we I got to ride the bomber bus. I'd rather be a bomber than... And I got to stop there, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it was just, like, such, like, a... Ma- it was so magical, you know what I mean? Like... You know the big win, the sitting with the fans, the rat. We we used to sit on the other side uh, on the on the Alouette side of the sidelines, and so the the people that we were like right up close uh, to the um, uh, to the Alouette sidelines, and all the other Bomber fans were just razzing uh, razzing the Alouette's players. They would some of them would get upset and they would start screaming back, and I was just like in awe of all this stuff. The Bombers' big win got to. You know, at that time, you got to jump on the field with the players and then kind of leaving the stadium after the win and, and singing the bomber songs and just all the cheering and stuff like that. And I mean, of course, it ended with that horrible loss, uh, which I still remember to the eight and 10 uh, Calgary Stampeders, which uh, I still have not gotten. Marcus Crand will go yeah, away. Makes me want to puke. But uh, no, I, uh, that's just like as a kid and just being in that atmosphere, I, I just I, I'll never forget that. I remember uh, some of my buddies, uh, some members of the uh, the Transcona Rum Council. Um, we, we have a we have a meeting tonight. In Do fact, you have a, a official charter, Brett. Yes, that's right. We get On parchment. Toge- we get together and solve the world's problems while we yell at each other. But um, the they had season tickets in ses- section S at uh, Canadian Stadium, and there were some guys who sat right near them who would bring. They would prepare like a gigantic 
meal for everybody in the immediate vicinity. And every week it was different. So they'd oh tell me my. stories. These guys would bring like lasagna, hot dogs, uh, like sub sandwiches. Every week it was something different. And I got to partake in, one, in it one day. I can't remember what I ate. But it was just so cool to see these guys go out of their way to feed everyone in the section. And the fact that they were allowed to do it, I mean, I... You never get away with that now. <laughs> yeah, never. But never. that's cool. And Section S was raucous. It was fun to be in Section S. It was. So. The birth of the beer snake in Section S. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yep. Forte, do you got a memory? For me, it's about atmosphere and who I go to the game with. I went to the this past Boundary Bowl with my dad, so that was awesome. But this must have been about 10 years ago. I don't remember who the Bombers were playing. All I know is that they won because I went with my brother. I was the DD. He was not... He, uh, <laughs> he had a few, and uh, so after the Bombers won, I was the one who was driving home, and he's leaning halfway out of my car and just screaming out at everyone, Woo! <laughs> bombers! Woo! <laughs> driving past uh, a couple, uh, went across the street on the corner, Woo! They're jumping because he's scaring the crap out of them, and it's just a great memory. I love my brother. He doesn't live in Winnipeg anymore, so... That's why it's uh, it's a great memory for me. Oh, right on, man. And uh, Mackling, what you got? Well, I guess I'm going to go 1984, the first time the Blue Bombers won the Grey Cup in my lifetime. They hadn't won since 1962. And oh. so, you know, uh, the folks of my dad's generation were getting a little frustrated with that drought. But uh, the Blue Bombers had been a big part of my life uh, starting in the late 70s, moving into the early 80s. And Dieter Brock was, of course, the, the quarterback of record. Well, in 1983, he demands a trade. He gets traded to Hamilton for Tom Clements. 1984, who did the Blue Bombers meet in the Grey Cup? But Dieter Brock and the Hamilton Tiger Cats. They went up 14, maybe 17 nothing. In that Grey Cup game, the Bombers stormed back. I think it was 14 because the final score was 47-17. The Bombers won. I was overwhelmed emotionally. And and uh, me and the boys from the West End, there was me and Ken and Teddy and Gino and all the guys. We went down to Valor Road and Portage Avenue. And at all the red lights, we would do the wave <laughs> for everybody stopped at the red light. And then we did the high five with everybody hanging out of the uh, of their windows. And uh, it was the first uh, championship that I got to celebrate with my buddies. And it was absolutely incredible, a memory that will uh, will be with me uh, as long as I have my faculties. So tell us a story at 204-780-6868. We want to give you Winnipeg Blue Bomber tickets for tomorrow versus BC, your favorite bomber memory. And like we said, if you want, if it wants to be the 2019 Grey Cup or the run to the Grey Cup, okay. But if you got something that's a bit deeper in the archives, that might increase your chance to win. Mackling and McGarry McNabb is off today. Sounds of the game coming up in just a moment. The best of Paul Maurice coming up at 7.20 or just before that. And we're also asking you to share with us your favorite Winnipeg Blue Bombers memories as we get set to give away tickets for tomorrow night's game at 9.15. Love this text from Michael Anderson who says, In the mid-80s, my family moved to Winnipeg in Keniston Village. At the time, that was a... Very popular living area for the Bombers, and I would spend my summer days outside playing with Huffnagel's kids. Wow. John Huffnagel, quarterback, right? <laughs> That's right. And uh, different Bomber players 
would always be tossing a ball around, and they would always make time for us. Oh, that is a terrific memory. You know, uh, the Blue Bomber is always connected to the community. And this uh, Bomber memory from one of our listeners goes further back. Uh, he insists that my, my Blue Bomber's memory is hard to beat. When I was around five years old, our family went to the airport to welcome the Blue Bombers home after one of their early 1960s Grey Cup championships. When they came down the stairs, everyone was cheering, and I clearly remember Bud Grant wow. singling me out, coming up to me and giving me his autograph. Boy, did I feel special. It's clear as day 60 years later. That is amazing. So thank you so much for sharing these memories so far, and we'll share more of them throughout the morning here on 680 CJOB. And we are we do have other stuff to talk about this morning, by the way. It's not just the Jets. It's not just the Bombers. Couch Potatoes Assemble at 737. At 7.45, we want to tell you about something called the Savor Festival. This is a culinary festival in support of MS. So we're going to speak with our friends uh, from the MS Society as well as Santa Lucia Pizza, which is a huge supporter of this initiative. And then after Global News at 8 o'clock, more on the Fed's plan for standardized vaccine passports. But as you hopefully know by now, the Winnipeg Jets launched the home portion of their 2021-22 season last night at Canada Life Centre. And whether you were there and want to relive the excitement of last night or have no idea what happened, here are the sounds of the game. It's the Jets and Ducks, and it's coming up next. You're listening to Winnipeg Jets Hockey. The home opener has arrived. Back toward the line again for Fowler. D to D for Shattenkirk. Up top, Fowler. Let a wrist go. They score. Deflected in front. Troy Terry got a redirect. It's a power play goal. The Ducks lead it 1-0. A two-on-two on the far side. Dubois across the line. Dropped it now. Connor moving in. Centered on it. front. They score. Redirected by Dubois. And Winnipeg comes right back and ties it at one. What a rush up the ice by the Winnipeg Jets. Rolls around back in behind that Ducks net. First one on it is Goff. Back toward the line here for Smith. Little shot, but a bucket and a cut. They score! Andrew Goff with his fifth point of the campaign. Did all the work, hunted the puck. Winnipeg went low to high. And he got in front of the net for the deflection, and the Jets have their first lead of the night. What a big old to get off the wall, send it back toward the line for Schmidt. He walks the line, surveys, still has the puck. And then to the near side for Dubois, back for Schmidt, far side, slap shot, they score! Josh Morrissey with a howitzer, a one-timer. It's a power play goal. And Winnipeg has indeed increased their lead to two. It's 3-1 for the Jets. Pass broken up by Kyle Connor. He's got a partial break. Let him go with the net. Shot go. He scores. Kyle Connor with his fifth of the year. Second in succession. Second of the period. What a goal! Five-one Winnipeg. Baby. Woo! I dig it. Sorry, I was just enjoying this music. <laughs> like, do you know what song that is? I don't know. I like it too. I, well, I'm just I'm jazzed up. I was thinking about the action last night and kind of kicking myself at the same time for not sticking around because it would have been fun to see that toque trick when they started raining toques down on the on the ice. But, Greg, uh, we did see two periods of play in person. You listened to the game on the way home. Who stood out for you? 
Well, you know, Kyle Connor. Yes, we heard uh, Paul Edmonds, uh, you know, uh, raining down accolades on Connor. He scored twice last night, including that magnificent individual effort on the team's fifth goal of the night, which is also and was Connor's team leading fifth goal of the season. Pierre Luc Dubois scored again. His third of the season looks really good, I have to say. But I think it was the 38 save performance by Connor Hellebuck, which has to be a huge sigh of relief for Jets fans. The 22. 20 Vesna Trophy winner. He was in fine form last night, Brad, as he looked a lot more comfortable in his own goal than he had in his previous three starts. Were you a little nervous when the Jets went up 3-1? <laughs> You're not supposed to go, you know, go up 3-1 by and go up by two goals and have your fans uh, cringe. That's not really what's supposed to happen. But, you you know, you always hate to lose a game when you have a two-goal lead at any point in a game for sure. The Jets had already done that. They uh, forged their third Two-goal lead in four games so far this season. And last night, not only did they manage to hang on to it, they added two goals in the final 249 to seal the deal for their first win of the season. So, uh, in a word, yes, I was a little nervous when they went up by two. And, of course, no Wheeler, no Shifley last night. No big deal? Well, always a big deal, I would say, when you are missing your captain and your number one center. But the line combinations actually worked out quite nicely for the most part. I particularly like the fact that Paul Maurice put former junior teammates, Pierre-Luc Dubois and Evgeny Svechnikov, on a line with Kyle Connor. I would love to see a little more from Nikolai Ehlers. No points yet, uh, including more ice time for number 27, although he played, I think it was just about 1949 last night. He's, in my mind, the best player on this team that doesn't wear number 37 and of course uh, the COVID protocols for Wheeler and Shifley Shifley asymptomatic asymptomatic Brett if he, if he has two negative tests tests 24 hours apart he could be back in the lineup and uh, anything you didn't like well really quick Connor Hellebuck stood on his head, but 39 shots against isn't ideal. You could argue that Hellebuck likes that level of work, but I didn't like how Anaheim kept the Jets hemmed into their own and for what seemed like an entire shift at times, several times in the evening. Mackling, Ben McGarry, McNabb is back on Monday. In a moment, the couch potatoes shall assemble. And uh, by the way, I speaking of potatoes, mm-hmm. I did have the tot dog. You did? Last night at Canada Life Center. The whole thing? The whole thing. The I got, full shebang? That's right, the full shebang. It was 13 bucks. Tried the tot dog, and uh, it was delicious. Although, I, I might suggest... I think I, in, like, when we tried it on Monday, we just had samples, and we just had samples of the uh, the taut dog, like, there's the wiener component of it, right? We didn't, yes. It didn't come in a bun. And I would almost suggest you don't need the bun. It's kind I of like was a, wondering about that. It's kind of like a double down from KFC, right? There's no, like, the bun itself is just two pieces of chicken. <laughs> and uh, I sort of feel like this, I, I like, if I were to order it again, I might not actually eat the bun. I'd just grab a knife and fork and carve into this thing. Cause it, and I would definitely not suggest eating it like at your seat, because you don't want that. That that's a spilly mess. You don't want to wreck your two hundred dollar jersey or whatever. Like imagine Greg, you wear your Heritage Classic jersey to the game, and then you dump a hot dog all over it. Oh yeah, I could see that happening. That's probably uh, guaranteed because I think I spilled on you the other day when we were eating. <laughs> so I'm a master at that. I, I've admitted this. But I but the hot dog delicious. So so good. So well done, True North. Well done, Winnipeg Jets and Canada Life Center. Uh, but Greg, what uh, we're talking about? Bomber memories. Favorite 
favorite bomber memories for a chance to win bomber tickets. And uh, Jamie's got a good one. He sure does. And the top dog delivered. Boy, are you ever delivering on the text line this morning with your bomber memories. In the mid-80s, Jamie says, I went to a bomber game with a friend and his dad. After many beers consumed, Barry, my friend, decided to be a cheerleader and got up on the cement stair platform to lead the cheers. Well, it didn't go so well for him. He slipped into his dad's horror and my amusement. He tumbled 12 rows down oh, <laughs> the cement stairs. Uh, when he finally got to the bottom, he got up, raised his arms to the sky and yelled, Ta-da! <laughs> one fan was so concerned that he was okay, he gave him one of his beers. <laughs> we were just relieved he didn't crack his noggin open. He still goes to the game, so if I win the tickets, I'm taking him. Still my favorite bomber game memory. Thank you, Jamie. <laughs> Oh, that is classic. Well done. We'll give those tickets away just after 9.15. And in our next segment, by the way, we're going to tell you about something called the Saver Festival. It's a fundraiser for MS. So we'll check in with our friends uh, from Santa Lucia Pizza and the MS Society to tell you about this important initiative. But right now, Mr. Fortier... Oh, this one's escaping me. know what this is. How do you have such a dramatic slide backward? Last oh. week he was so good, and then, well, what is that, Forche? Come on, that's Bond. Oh! We'll alert that for the new Bond movie. Came oh. out a couple of weeks ago. Okay, well, yeah, the movie came out a couple of weeks ago, so you're kind of late on that one. I know. But, uh, but okay, that, may, that sort of makes sense. That was a challenge, though. That's why it took me so long to learn. Yeah, it sounded like you were playing multiple recorders in there. That music heralds the arrival of one jumping Jeff Bronzel. Hello there, Jeff Braun. Is he joining us today? Isn't he off? Oh, he's off today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Skylar oh Peters, he should be here in Jeff's place on the, on the couch potato. Well, happy Friday, Brett McGarry. Jeff, Jeff Braun, of course, has been off all week. <laughs> this happens almost every time. I I didn't actually text him today, but normally when he's off, I'll text. I will still text him on the Friday to check in on what we're doing. And eventually, he'll, when he wakes up, he'll text me and say, "I'm not working today, dude. I'm on vacation. Leave me alone. I'm on a cruise. Leave me." <laughs> We did record The Couch Potatoes yesterday, and uh, he's got a full review of a movie that came out last week, <laughs> The Last Duel. Well, you know what? Let me just play this spot for you, and then we'll have some fun with that. Each man is to fight to the death. Discover the unbelievable true story that is now the cinematic event of the year. Matt Damon, Adam Driver, Jodie Comer, and Ben Affleck. I want him to answer for what he has done. Critics rave. No one does it like Ridley Scott. Let them go! Let them go! Let them go! The Last Duel. Rated R. Experience it on the big screen October 15th. Tickets on sale now. All right. So I, the cinematic event of the year. Mm. So good cast in this. It's got Matt Damon, Adam Driver, Ben Affleck, directed by Ridley Scott. So it's got some serious pedigree. Made under five million bucks. Last weekend at the box office, Halloween Kills killed the last duel at the box office. But Jeff Braun in the Couch Potatoes 
either you, you can hear it already in the podcast or it airs Saturdays at noon, Sundays at six. And uh, Jeff gave it a good review. He said it was a good movie worth seeing on the big screen if you're into that kind of stuff, like period dramas, medieval stuff. But uh, otherwise, don't bother. Also, I will just quickly tell you that uh, there are two movies out this weekend. One of them is Dune. So this is the uh, latest adaptation of the epic science fiction novel, and it's directed by Denis Villeneuve. I confess I don't know anything about Dune, but uh, obviously this is popular, the novel from 1965. There's the movie from the 80s, which is a cult classic for sure. So Dune is out, and it's getting decent reviews. And there's a cartoon called Ron's Gone Wrong. And this looks cute. This is about, and it sort of, I think, satirizes our uh, addictions to digital technology to the point where all the cool kids at school have these robots. Like, they're, they're so addicted to digital tech that their best friend is a robot. So Barney wants one, and he gets one named Ron, but Ron's malfunctioning, and he's not very nice. Okay, Ron, a bunch of your code is missing. Ah! Oh! You're supposed to know everything about me. Hair, brown. Height, 4'11". 5'11 would be better. Girls would not laugh at you. Hey! So that looks fun and is also getting good reviews. So two new movies out in theaters, Dune and Ron's Gone Wrong. And again, Couch Potatoes podcast is now available. Or you can listen to it Saturdays at noon, Sundays at 6 on 680 CJOB. Jeff Braun's best hit yet? Mackling and McGarry McNabb is back on Monday. Thank you very much for joining us Friday morning on The Start. Yeah. Hey, Brett, this is something you spotted on the interwebs. I believe it jumped out for you because of the cause and how important it is to me. So I just wanted to thank you before we got into this, Brett. Well, for sure, man. It's uh, it's called Savor, a culinary festival, and it is in support of the MS Society of Canada. So to bring this event to life... We welcome from MS Society of Canada, Jessica McPherson, Senior Director for Community here on the Prairies. Hello there. Good morning. Thanks for having me. So we wanted to, I guess, start by asking you about the uh, the prevalence of, of MS in Canada. Can you discuss that? Yeah, sure. So there's about 90,000 Canadians who live with MS. Um, so I don't think there's any community in Canada or, you know, in particular in Manitoba that isn't touched by the disease. And there's a little over 3,500 people in Manitoba who live with MS. So it's a pretty um, prevalent um, illness that people are diagnosed with. And the other thing we know is that people are most often diagnosed between uh, about 20 and 49. So that's the prime of their lives. You can imagine that in that time, they're building their careers. They're finishing uh, schooling. They might be having a family. So really, it strikes people, um, you know, in those in those prime years when they're really just getting going with life, and it's something they live with for the rest of their lives. So, um, Jessica, my, my baby sister uh, deals with uh, MS, and it has really, really uh, struck her hard. There are different types of MS. I think there's a conception that there's one, you know, uh, one MS, multiple sclerosis, that sort of just covers everyone, but there, there are several different types. Can you help us with that? Yeah, you're right. So there's, um, there's two sort of main different types of MS, so relapsing, remitting MS, and that's the most common type of MS. So that's the MS that's, you know, if you see someone and you would never know that they live with multiple sclerosis, that, that most often is the, the type of disease that they live with. So that 
is really characterized by periods of um, wellness where function is good and they're, you know, they're feeling okay, followed by a period of time where they have a relapse and maybe they lose vision, maybe they, um, you know, they're not able to walk because, you know, the, um, the message getting to their legs is, is not carrying through. Um, and then that's the most, um, because it's the most common, it's also what we have the most treatments for. Um, so, you know, a lot of success in the research for that. And then the other, you know, most common sort of second type, so not as many people live with it, but that's progressive MS. And that is a significant um, diagnosis for people. So um, primary progressive or secondary progressive MS means that their disease continues to progress. So those are individuals who, when they are diagnosed, know that they will continually um, lose function throughout the course of their disease. And, you know, oftentimes those are the individuals who may end up living in a wheelchair or needing support at assisted living, you know, something like that. So it's a pretty scary diagnosis. And it's also, you know, the place in, in MS research where we know we need to do more because we only have one therapy right now approved by Health Canada for progressive MS. And that's sort of a very small piece of that population who would be eligible. Um, and, and we just know that we need to improve the outcomes for people because that is, you know, as you can imagine, uh, life changing. We were hoping to uh, be joined as well by Santa Lucia Pizza, but it looks like we're having some problems connecting with them this morning, Jessica. So we'll ask you, uh, what can you tell us about Savor? Yeah, so Savor Culinary Festival is our newest, one of our newest fundraisers. We started it last year. And really, it's a fun way to engage um, both chefs and and restaurants and communities. So the first part of the the Savor Festival is we've been running Chef at Home Experiences. So those are really virtual cooking classes through the summer. They're just wrapping up this month. And then sort of the culmination of the festival is the partnership with restaurants. So we call it Taste in Your Community. And what we do um, for this week, so October 18th to 24th, we partner with restaurants across the country and in Winnipeg. Um, and we and they, they come on board to raise funds for us. So they make a choice. What do they want to offer on their menu to, you know, encourage our community com- to come out? and to show their support of the MS Society. And when someone makes that purchase, um, then the funds come to the MS Society. Yeah, and Santa... Oh, sorry, sorry, Jessica. I was just going to pump the tires of Santa Lucia a little bit here because we have an incredible partnership with them. And so do you, uh, based on what I'm reading here, $5 from each 18-inch pizza sold through October 24th will go to the MS Society. That includes the Steinbach location in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven Winnipeg locations. So uh, you're doing some good while enjoying some of the best pizza anywhere. So it it is a, a terrific way to uh, raise awareness, raise some funds, and at the same time sort of just capitalize on what you might otherwise be doing anyway. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, who who could ask for a better partner than the team at Santa Lucia Pizza? And, you know, what's easier than folks in Winnipeg and Steinbach to, to make an order and get that, you know, that hot, delicious pizza tonight leading into the weekend? Like, um, I, I think we've made everyone separate plans for sure. But, um, you know, just an incredible partnership and, and our, you know we're so thrilled that they are they continue to be such so community driven and that they've come on to support the ms society so we're we're really pleased to um, run the campaign but also to have you know such a great partner in that and sorry jessica how long did you say that saver has been going now yeah so this is the second year um so it's a brand new campaign and every year we're growing so you know, we're looking to, you know, next year we hope to have even more restaurants um, participate. But this, um, it, you know, it, it, last year was the first year in Santa Lucia Pizza, without a question, jumped on board right away. 
and they're continuing on this year and showing their support with that five dollars from every 18 inch pizza that they they sell this week so you know just incredible and um, we're just so pleased to be able to offer it and and to make a difference right to know that um, all of the funds that come to the MS Society, they're funding great research. We have incredible researchers right in Manitoba, right at the University of Manitoba, learning more about MS every day. And that's the kind of momentum we want to keep going. So, it, you know, it really makes an impact both for research, but in, in our ability to support people who live with MS. Yeah, and it's not just the, the individuals, but of course, it's the family units as well that you, you support. So thanks so much for the work that you do, Jessica. For those that maybe need to reach out and, and need the, the help of the services and the information you provide, how do they connect with you? Yeah, they can uh, just go to our website, mssociety.ca, and all the information, whether you're a person living with MS, whether you want to learn about SAVER or any of the other work that we do or, or find out more about the impact of the disease is there. So mssociety.ca. Jessica McPherson, Senior Director for Community here on the Prairies for the MS Society of Canada. Thank you very much for joining us today. We appreciate this. Thanks for having me. So once again, $5 from every 18-inch pizza sold from up until the 24th of October. It started on the 18th. $5 from each pizza will go to the MS Society as part of Savor, a culinary festival. Mackling and McGarry McNabb is back on Monday. We're going to give away bomber tickets just after 9.15. And Greg, I know we've got it. We're going to hold this one, okay? Because we have a yep. limited number of time, limited amount of time with Gabby. We'll hold this until our next segment. We'll give away those bomber tickets in our next segment. We are loving your bomber memories. Uh, and it's so many amazing stories. So thank you very much for sharing. But we got to get to Gabby. It's our oh, weekly Gabby so visit. I'm so honored. I'm so honored right now. I could cry, burst into tears. Or maybe it's just a Friday. I cried everything, so... Do you really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think I cried three times already this morning. That's where I'm at, everyone. You usurped uh, Blue Bomber text. That's a pretty big deal in these parts, just so you know. (laughs) It's only because our winning text is going to take some time. So I don't want to scoop up any more of our time with Gabby. Uh, So I'm going to say it now. 9-12 is our out. Okay, everybody? Okay, we're done. I'm so sorry, Bomber fans, too. My apologies. Please please don't hate me. No, hey, come on now. We're going to get to it in our next segment. That's when we're giving the tickets away. Uh, But we want to talk to you, the the in-game host at the Bomber Games. Yeah, I'm loving it. It is such a good time. Bomber fans are great to be around. The atmosphere, there's nothing better than the atmosphere of a live sporting event, especially outside. As it gets colder, we're all going to be bundled up, shaking, shivering, cheering, bonded. True Manitoban times. Do you have a big pair of Sorrells you can bring with you? I don't, but I think I should probably get some because we're in the playoffs. So, So, Greg, this week we talked about... To the tot dog, of course, and that inspired a conversation about what was that? Oh, uh, yeah, the craziest meal you've ever had. Most outrageous, biggest, weirdest, most exotic. Gabrielle Marchand, can you uh, fill in the blanks for us from from the from the uh, uh, from your life? I mean, the cheese diaries are extensive, so I could probably <laughs> had a off a long list of ex- insane things I've eaten that are greasy and cheese covered, but probably the wildest thing. Uh, when I was 18, I went to Israel and I ordered, I had just come from England and I was really obsessed with fish and chips. I went to a restaurant and I ordered fish and chips, but the fish did not come as I expected it to. They brought it and, uh, and I'm sure this is the case in many places, but the fish was just a fish. Like it was staring at me. It had it, it still had one of its eyeballs in. It was, it was dead obviously, but it was just 
a fish laying there looking at me, waiting to be consumed. Still just, looked a bit scaly. It was just like they'd taken the fish and just slapped it down on the grill, and then you just kind of... <laughs> Bag of chips on the side? There like, were, <laughs> no, they were french fries. They, oh, those well, that's were great. Good. I couldn't quite... I, I love the idea. I love the concept, but I mean, just its eyeball, just staring at me. I couldn't get over that, and I felt bad. I felt guilty eating it. Like it can, I know it's dead, but... Come on, man. I practically named the thing and threw it back in the ocean. Did you eat some of it? I, I, I took small bites. Okay. Away from the eyeball. Weird. Yeah, it was very different. It wasn't what I was expecting, so surprise. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, because we got some some crazy stories of uh, cuisine. Like, what was our winning text? It was a, uh, a stingray. Stingray, yes. What? Where was that? In, uh, in, in Malaysia or Indonesia. Yeah, Malaysia. On a, on a bed of banana leaves, and it actually looked quite delicious, even though you could tell it was a stingray. Would that be chewy? I could see that being kind of chewy. Almost Apparently like, not. No, okay. Maybe. Yeah, it looked, the spread looked looked quite delicious. It was super, super uh, elaborate. So that's, and that's a really neat story, man. That's uh, kind of scary as well. Uh, following that, the craziest dining experience you've ever had. So most lavish or unique or most courses. Like I went to a nine, I was at a wedding and they, it was a, we were in the Kumkun Garden Ooh. and uh, I'd never had dim sum before, but it was nine courses. You got to pace yourself, Brett. That's what's key. I'm going to keep this short because I'm conscious of the time, but my buddy throws a dinner called Prairie Grid Series. I think they're coming back to Winnipeg, and I went to one of them, and so there were a number of courses, and each had a pairing of alcohol with it, (laughs) and that's where it got dangerous because when you're doing seven courses, seven different drinks, all of a sudden you get to the end, and you have to be rolled out of there. Oh, so it was a different kind of drink every time. Yeah, a different pairing of alcohol for every course. Oh, boy. It's like winning the lottery, but be careful. What kind of alcohols? Uh, I think one, like there was like a dessert wine at the end. There was a beer. There was a cocktail. What, oh, what, what, boy. Yeah, beer before liquor, never sicker. I don't know if those rules applied. We must have an invite uh, to the Winnipeg event should it occur. <laughs> we'll go back and then we'll track it. We'll live tweet it. That would be good. I'm here for that. Are there any foods you don't understand? Peas. Peas. I just don't get them. Why? The texture... <laughs> They they impede me from getting to gravy and mashed potatoes or whatever they're served with. The other day I was eating a bowl of peas because I just needed vegetables. And so I, I just gave up. I gave up on life and I ate peas and I t- actually texted someone saying I was watching a bad TV show eating just a microwave bowl of peas. And I texted my friend and I said, this is the lowest point in my life, potentially. <laughs> Gabrielle Marchand is also Global <laughs> News Morning. We chat with her every Friday. Uh, uh, I hope you feel a little bit better. The fish and chips thing you mentioned, though, I was wondering, what am I going to order at the King's Head today? And I think that's what it's going to be. So thanks for the inspiration, Gabby. <laughs> hey, enjoy. Hopefully it comes cooked without the eyeball. Yes. <laughs> Please hold the eyeball. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, guys. Okay, we got some great bomber memories to share in our next segment, and our winner is a doozy. And this was it was tough to pick one, but there was one that stood out above the rest. Mackling and McGarry McNabb is back on Monday. We are giving away tickets for tomorrow night's Winnipeg Blue Bombers game versus BC. That's at IG Field. And we're asking you to share with us your favorite Winnipeg Blue Bombers memories. Yesterday, we were asking favorite Jets memories. Today, it's favorite Bomber memories. We're celebrating Winnipeg sports. And a solid story from Gail here, Greg. 1980s. My brother was the DD, so I was able to enjoy the game with a few wobbly pops. We were in the west end of the stadium. An official made a very questionable call against the Blue Bombers. 
in Gail's eyes. With this call, I stood up, folded my glasses, and threw them at the official while saying, I think you need these more than I do. A bomber was close by. The glasses bounced off his helmet and landed on the ground, not anywhere close to the official. I was lucky I didn't get thrown out of the stadium. My brother looked at me. He asked, why? Why would you do that? I told him that I had a spare set at home and that I was getting new ones on Monday. That game, the Bombers squeaked out a win. I think they were penalized heavily that game and probably more so after you threw those glasses. Thanks for that, uh, Gail. Much appreciated. We uh, got so many great stories today and we've shared as many of them as we can with you but uh, we had to go with this one for the win this is from danny who says i was in edmonton for the miracle catch and he throws it long down the left side for steagle he's got it and he's gone and danny says we had seats just behind the edmonton bench bombers were winning all game and we were dressed in heavy big blue gear we were trying to get high fives from the Edmonton fans every time the Bombers scored, but of course, no luck. Well, under a minute left, Edmonton scored and went up by four points. So the fan behind us started yelling at us, high five, hey, high, high five, don't be a bad sport. So I stood up and I high fived her with four seconds left and over a hundred yards of real estate to cover one last play. So I stood up and faced the crowd and said, this is where the miracle happens. No! to booze and sit down from the whole section. So, of course, Kevin Glenn then connected on the miracle catch for over 100 yards for a TD. I turned around and said to the same girl I just high-fived, high-five, high-five, followed by, oh, mm, there was an F.O. involved. We continued our celebration at the Bomber bus after the game, and uh, now late coach Richard Harris came up to us and said, I could hear you cheering from across the field. He asked if I was from Edmonton. I said, no, I'm from Winnipeg, from the PAG. Was on in Edmonton due to my son receiving, get this, guys, open heart surgeries. He gave me a card. He said, coffee when you're back. We became close and spent every holiday dinner together for the next six years until he passed. <clears throat> Richard became an uncle to my boys and changed our lives for the better. I had the very sad honor of doing his eulogy at his funeral miracle catch in more ways than one and uh i thought i could read that without any problem brett but oh my gosh what what a story and he uh, this person danny went on to say uh p.s looking to bring my heart kid aj who is now 17 to the game and pps we could have built our own beer snake from all the plastic <laughs> cups that were thrown at us <laughs> well look as you mentioned, Brett, we've had just too many emails and text messages to count on this, but th that that is the winner, right? head and shoulders, and I don't think anyone else who entered the contest today could argue with that. So, Danny, congratulations, and a first-time text from Danny. So, Danny, that's oh. an excellent effort as a first-timer. We appreciate all the stories that you've shared and the pictures that you paint and you bring us because the when you tell us these stories, you don't just say, yeah, I was at the Edmonton game and uh, it was fun. Like, uh, you, you actually bring us into your memory, and that's what makes sports so special, right? Like, you forge these amazing memories, and I think the Winnipeg fan clearly having fun with the Edmonton fans and the Edmonton fans having fun with this Winnipeg fan, and uh, it's just, you know, it's a story, and it's drama, and it's amazement, and we love it, so thank you very much. And 
Raw, raw, Winnipeg sports. Absolutely, and a shout-out to Danny and AJ. Wow, might have been the toughest time in these folks' lives, and this is what comes out of it. I, I'm just, I'm blown away. We are in a real sweet spot on the calendar for sports fans. CFL marching towards the playoffs. NHL season is underway. Some great NFL matchups. The NBA regular season enters its first weekend. Greg, what am I missing? Uh, MLB playoffs. Oh, Manitoba yes. Moose home opener tonight. And plenty else to excite sports fans these days. Christian O'Mell is the host of the 680 CJOB Sports Show. And uh, Christian, am I uh, informed correctly that you will be live from Canada Life Centre this evening? You are correct. Yes, Kelly Moore and I will be broadcasting from the concourse location where we often do the pregame show for the Winnipeg Jets games. It's all set up, so we're going to just do the show from the Moose game there. We're doing five shows this year uh, on weeknight Moose games, so we'll be uh, we'll be down there talking Moose, talking Bombers, and whatever else comes our way tonight. That's really kind of neat, and, and the spot is absolutely spectacular. I was by there mm-hmm. last night. It is top-notch, so stop by and wave. Uh, you know, uh, Kelly Moore sort of looked like the Pope last night, Brett. I don't know if you saw Kelly uh, behind the bulletproof glass there, but uh, <laughs> no. he did wave and give me this thumbs up. Hey, Winnipeg Jets last night, uh, you mentioned the national anthem and, and how it sort of got you emotional last night. Big win for the Jets. No Wheeler, no Shifley. What stood out for you on the ice after the national anthem and, uh, you know, before the end of regulation time? I think number one is Connor Hellebuck. We've seen him win a lot of games for the Jets over the years. He made a lot of saves last night. I thought quality was in the Jets' favor, even if quantity wasn't over the course of that game. But he was obviously great. And I think the rebound control was a bit better than it had been in previous games. It got off to a bit of a rocky start when the Jets give up another power play goal but then he settled in the team settled in expected goals if you're into that and I'm actually had more than the the Jets did in that game but the the Jets were just able to get tap-ins right that was a big thing Pierre-Luc Dubois with a tap-in on a great setup Andrew Kopp with a tap-in on a great setup and then the goal that uh, Kyle Connor scored for his, the fifth of the game was kind of a weak one on John Gibson and I don't know if you've ever seen that before Greg but Two goals. The, the, that's not a hat trick. People started throwing hats on the ice. It's and a two double, trick. I had to double check my notes. I'm like, wait, no, he didn't score 12. Nope. When did I, I know everyone, it's been 600 days since you've been at an NHL hockey game, but we can count to three, right? Come on, people. But well, anyway. Well, come on. Maybe we're creating something new. <laughs> hey, before we move on to the Blue Bombers real quick here, I'm super impressed with the play of Pierre-Luc yes. Dubois. He looks engaged. Uh, there is no more, not that he ever really had the deer in the headlights look, but he certainly didn't appear as though he he fit in on every front last year and even in the playoffs but so far this year he's engaged and what did you think of that line last night of pairing him with his junior partner uh, uh, uh two guys that scored a ton of points together uh, in Evgeny Svechnikov and Kyle Connor I thought I thought that I don't know you could make an argument that that should be a line moving forward small sample size I know Right. No, I. when you asked who, what stood out, uh, Hellebuck was 1A and Pierre-Luc Dubois was 1B. I thought he was powerful. I think we're seeing what the Jets saw in him when they made that trade last year. And last year was kind of a, a dis- 
disjointed kind of year for from hell for him. Now he gets a full training camp. He's got the full offseason. It's a normal year, and he's looking great. And he's played with a bunch of different players so far this year. That setup on the first goal was really, really great. The kind of tic-tac-toe play with Connor and Sveshnikov. And we, we see the kind of skill that Sveshnikov has. He's just not going to probably get a lot of minutes with high-skilled uh, players like Connor and Dubois going forward. But it is interesting what the Jets have when – all of a sudden, two-thirds of your top line is out. They keep Cop, Stastny, and Ehlers together. And then this trio works, right? It's something that we haven't seen much of, probably won't see much of going forward. We don't know how long Shifley will be out of the lineup for. But, yeah, Dubois has been a, a very bright spot for this team. Same with Cop. They each have three goals to start the season. And Kyle Connor obviously on a bit of a heater to start the year as well. Now we move on to the feet balls there, Christian O'Mell, the Winnipeg the Blue Bombers. Egg. What's that? The hand egg. The hand egg. I've never yeah. heard that one. Well, because if you soccer, you, it's a ball you play with a foot. Foot, uh, what we call Canadian football. It's like it's shaped like an egg, and you use your hand. So hand egg. I like it. I like it a lot. Now the Winnipeg okay. Blue Bombers can clinch a, a home date for the West Final with a win versus the BC Lions. Bombers are the class of the CFL, and yet they added two players this week, both of whom should make this team better. Nespa. I would think so. I mean, the Sergio Castillo acquisition is to address an obvious need the team has with their kicking game. Ali Mortada was good last week. He was four for five. He's had two good games, and he's had two terrible games so far in four with the Bombers. So if he truly figured something out, and he's going to be making most of his kicks going forward, then that's great for the Bombers, and they have a backup plan. And Castillo, once he's ready, he's he's not going to kick tomorrow, and then they have a bye week. And then you got Winston Rose. The defensive backs have played pretty well this season. Mike Rose is, or Mike Jones has made a lot of good plays, switching over to DB and DeAndre Alford in his first year. But if you have the chance to go get Winston Rose, you go get Winston Rose. This guy led the CFL in interceptions in 2019. He was a big part of why the Bombers won the Grey Cup in 2019. You can never have too many good players, and I know they're 9-1, and one, but they're not resting on their laurels, and they go and get those two, and they add Shaq Cooper as well, running back, just for some from, for some depth at that position with Andrew Harris banged up right now. So a team that's already clearly the best in the CFL. And the one thing I wonder about is they're probably going to clinch home field in the West Final six weeks before that game. How, what do you do for those six weeks? You're going to have two buys, and you're going to have three games that aren't going to mean much in the standings. How do you stay sharp? I don't think Mike O'Shea is going to let this team – be complacent that just doesn't seem like it's in their dna but it is a long time to wait for the next game that really matters i think they'll figure it out the, the whole one and oh this week thing uh before we let you run i just you know winston rose uh, i have to make it like he was such a dominating uh player not only just for his defensive play but the timing of his defensive plays christian he would get interceptions uh when it looked like other teams were going in for a score he'd flip the field that way uh the odd pick six uh, just a, a a real tremendous and you said it perfectly when you get the opportunity to add a player like that doesn't matter how well you're going you know if you can bring mario lemieux back for uh the playoffs and he wanted to play with you you find room for him on your your roster and uh that's just this the way it is manitoba bisons though ranked number four in the nation what's yeah. up with the hustling herd that's felt fantastic well comebacks is what's up with the hustling herd they've had a couple uh late game rallies last week against calgary in a rematch of the 2019 hardy cup they were down big going to the fourth quarter and they 
they came back and won. So it's a, it's a team that's in the top five in the country. It's an exciting time. Uh, the Winnipeg Ice, by the way, they're 8-0 to start the season right. as well. So there's a lot of big sports things happening in uh, Winnipeg right now, and it's exciting to see. Yes, October, it's one of the best times of the year for sports. Except the Red Sox are losing. That doesn't make me happy. But, you know, at least they're in the Final Four. When does curling come back? Curling is back. Grand Slam curling is on right now. Uh, one of the events is uh, on. They've been having some kind of pre-Olympic trials qualifiers as well. The curling season almost never ends now. It starts pretty <laughs> early. But the, the big, big events, we're about a month away from the uh, Olympic curling trials in Saskatoon. So that's the big one, the next big one on the calendar. How many screens do you have going at, at any given time? Uh, usually, usually one, just one, um, because with a PVR now I can cheat and be like, I'm just going to watch some of this. And then I watch that thing that I've taped. And then I try to watch instead of everything at once, just focus on one thing taped and then the next thing taped. But I, on, on some Sundays, Brett, I'll have, uh, I have been known to have a TV and two computer screens going. Impressive. Krishna Mel, live from Canada Life Center tonight. What time does the big show get underway? And, um... Yeah, Manitoba Moose, uh, they've got a pretty stacked roster as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're taking on Grand Rapids tonight, 6.30 p.m. on CJOB, the CJOB Sports Show. There it is. There it is, the promo voice for his own show, Christian O'Mell. Thanks for this, partner. We'll see you at uh, the Blue Bomber game tomorrow night. Will do. Christian O'Mell, host of the CJOB Sports Show. Thank you very much for joining us, sir. 9.46 with Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is back on Monday. we got to check in with Hal Anderson afternoons. Wow. That just, I'm like a, hmm? that's, where did that come from? It's been like, what, a month and a half? Yeah, still muscle memory. It's okay. We sometimes go back to the weird places. Like uh, Winston Rose is a prime example, Brett. Because I am of the age I am, Rose, when I see Rose with the Blue Bombers, I think of Donovan Rose, who was a defensive black back for the Blue Bombers in the mid-1980s. <laughs> and so I have to be very careful that I don't call Winston Rose Donovan Rose. <laughs> so you know, a month versus 35 years, you're forgiven. The host of Connecting Winnipeg, which is on at 10 a.m. Was well, this a new program? <laughs> when did it start? Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.